Well, hey, everybody. Uh, The last week or so, uh, my family has been watching the show The Chosen. Um, You might not be familiar with it. I'm sure some of you have watched it as well. Uh, But it's a multi-season TV show uh, about the life of Christ. And uh, in in one episode, uh, it tells the story uh, that we find in Luke 5. It's where uh, Jesus meets Peter after he's been out fishing all night. Uh, and they did a good job in the, in, in the show because they see just the struggle that Peter had fishing, and it was just a tough go. There was, there, they just weren't catching anything. So, so they get back to shore, and eventually um, uh, Jesus is teaching, and then he tells them to, to, to cast their nets out again. And so they, they, they cast the nets out, and you're probably familiar with the story, like I said, Luke 5, uh, and cast the nets out, and they just are overwhelmed with fish. Uh, you know, at first when Jesus tells Peter to do it, Peter says, look, we've, we've been at it all night. There's no fish, but, but at your word, I will, I will cast the nets out again. And so they do, uh, and it turns out that, that both boats are just kind of overwhelmed with fish, and, and they're sinking, and um, many of you are probably familiar with the story. And one of the things that's interesting about that scene, or in, and really about movies like this, is that uh, almost by necessity, uh, you have to have some extra biblical content. Uh, and what I mean by extra biblical is just that there's some scenes in there, there's some parts of the show that just aren't in the Bible. Uh, for example, one of the things that's not in the Bible, uh, this isn't really a good or bad thing, it's more of a neutral thing, but one of the things that's not in the Bible is uh, what Jesus does or says as Peter and his friends are, are trying to get all the, all the fish in the boat. We know later he says, you know, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But, but in that moment, when they're overwhelmed with all the fish, what does Jesus say or do? Well, in, in the show, uh, it, 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 it shows you Jesus as they're being overwhelmed with all these fish they've caught. And you know what Jesus is doing while they're hauling in all these fish? He's laughing. And he's laughing really hard. And you've probably been there before. Like maybe it was a surprise party or Christmas morning for your kids. And you just knew that, oh, man, it was going to be a great time. That when they, you know, maybe somebody was getting a present. And you knew once they see this present, they are just going to flip out. And, and sure enough, you know, they open the present or the gift or whatever it is. And, uh, and they are just over the moon, excited about it. And you probably laughed. Uh, and, 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 it's, and it's in those moments of, of just great joy in giving somebody something uh, that they are taking such pleasure in that, that we get the, uh, the, the idea of what, what Paul said, that Jesus said in, in, in Acts 20 when Paul quoted Jesus as saying, it's better to give than to receive. And so, so in those moments where we have this gift and we just have deep joy in the other person taking such great pleasure in the gift that we've given, uh, we, we really get that uh, in, in, a, in a very real way, not just in theory, but in practice. And look, it delights God to give his children good gifts. And, and we are made in God's image. And so it should delight us to give as well. But... When it comes to giving, it doesn't always quite work that way, does it? It seems like in a lot of ways, giving kind of loses its magic. Uh, you know, the, when we think about our, our paychecks coming in every month, you know, we have the, the government's going to take a bite, right? And then on top of that, we, we feel the need to give 10% to the church. 
And, and then, you know, there's just a lot going on and trying to make ends meet. Uh, there's not a whole lot of room in the budget for, for extra stuff. And there's some things we just kind of feel like aren't really that special, just kind of things that are just kind of part of life that, man, I'm kind of losing track of the money that's going to be able to, to take care of that. And so all that kind of takes, yeah, kind of the magic away out, out of giving, some of, the, some of the joy away out of giving. So, so giving can often not be a very fun topic to talk about at church or just maybe in general. But, but I hope that today's message can kind of help restore uh, joy in, in giving because those two are supposed to go together. You know, you probably remember Ebenezer Scrooge uh, in uh, A Christmas Carol. In the beginning, he's really stingy and he's really unhappy. And in the end, he's very generous and very happy. And so, so I hope today that we can at, at least maybe recalibrate our hearts and minds to the idea that joy and giving actually do go together and they should go together. So, so here's what I want to do today is that, uh, is that I, well, I should say this, I'm of the conviction that, that being generous and giving makes people happy. And so in light of that, I want to give two reasons why we could and should be cheerful givers. And, and the first reason is this, we should give for our own joy. And, and the second reason we should be cheerful givers is because we can give for the glory of God. So, so first, let me talk about uh, giving for our own joy. Now, as we're going through uh, uh, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapters 8 and 9 go together. And if you can remember the last two weeks as we've, we've gone through this, uh, in the beginning of chapter 8, Paul's uh, talking to the Macedonians, and he's, he's kind of bragging about them. He's saying they were in a severe test of affliction and extreme poverty, but since the saints were in need, since there were believers in Jerusalem that were in need, they were going through a famine and persecution, and they were in need, and, and Paul let them know about that need, and, and the Macedonians were begging Paul to take part in the relief of the saints there in Jerusalem. And it says that they did it out of an abundance of joy that they were giving. And so anyway, so, so that first part of, uh, of chapter 8, we're, we're looking at the Macedonians, how they gave. Uh, and then Paul is talking to the Corinthians, uh, and he's encouraging them uh, that they should give and, and, and kind of rooting it in the gospel as, as Christ became poor for our sake, uh, that, that, that we would give and be generous as Christ was. And then the second half of chapter 8, Paul is organizing um, uh, Titus and, the, and his two friends uh, for them to go ahead of them, to go to Corinth, to help organize the funds. And if you remember, I talked about calling, where God put it in Titus's heart that he wanted to go see the Corinthians and be a part of this ministry. Uh, and, uh, and God also called them through the churches. We talked about an inner calling and external calling there. And so, so Paul is, is sending these people ahead of him to Corinth. And, and then at the beginning of chapter 9, you kind of see why the reason is he's sending them there because, because he, wants, he wants Titus and the two others to go ahead and to take care of the collection so that when he gets there, uh, he's not looking around or asking about the money. The, the, the Corinthians want to give. They're able to give. And so he has Titus to go ahead, uh, to, to go ahead and make that collection so that when he gets there, they're not looking around to see about the collection or trying to remind them or anything like that. And, and we see his heart in chapter 8, verse 5, when Paul says this, and he's explaining why he's sending Titus and the two other guys ahead to, to make this collection. So he says this in verse 5. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you 
to uh, ahead of you to and arrange in advance for the gift that you have promised so that be so that it may be ready as a willing gift and not as an exaction and then in verse 7 he says this each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver so there are bad ways to give and there are good ways to give and and the bad ways to give or, or, or when it's like an exaction, or when it's reluctant, or under compulsion. So, so what Paul's saying is he don't, doesn't want to come there and, and to have it even appear as if they don't desire to give, and that he's, he's exacting it upon them, or, he, or they are reluctant or under compulsion in their giving. So when it comes to giving, if you give reluctantly or under compulsion— then you're doing it wrong. And the reason you should know you're doing it wrong is because giving should be a joy. It, it, it isn't supposed to be something that's done with reluctance or under compulsion. It should be done cheerfully. Now, here's why that can be difficult. Or here's why this passage can be difficult to hear, or this message, perhaps in some ways, is because it almost seems like what the text is saying is that it's, it's not good enough just to give. But, but you have to like it too. You know, maybe like the parent who's getting on their kids and they're saying, you know, you're going to eat your vegetables and you're going to like it. And you're thinking like, well, that just seems like a heavy burden and I can fake like I like it or whatever. And so, so it, it seems like that's a hard message to hear. But, but I don't think that's what is happening here. Giving, when done right, is genuinely a happy thing. And, and I would even go so far as to say, is that you should be generous in order to be happy. Or, or to put it negatively, you will be unhappy if you're stingy with your money. Consider 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says this, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. And just a quick clarification, it's not that money is the root of all evils, it's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So how does someone pierce themselves with many pangs? Sharp pain. How does somebody inflict that upon themselves? Well, the love of money and the craving of money will do that to you. It will inflict you with many pangs, sharp pains. So then what is the antidote to these pangs <clears throat> that come from the love of money and craving money? Well, it's, it's giving. And, and, and look, if, if you tend towards sadness, one thing that can help you is to be more generous. And, and I'm not saying that, that giving is a, is a quick fix to depression. I know sometimes depression and sadness is a, is a complicated issue with lots of different layers. But, but one of the ways that sadness and depression can begin to paralyze us is that we be, begin to look inward way too much. And look, there's a lot of us who have gone through some, some serious trauma, and, and it's hard not to be overwhelmed with that. But also in a fallen world, among fallen people, in our own fallen selves, it, all of us can get there. All of us consider ways that we have been hurt and wronged, what, the ways we aren't respected, ways we aren't loved, 
And there's plenty for anybody just to hone in on something uh, that has happened to you that is that is not good and just land there and just consider that and turn that over in your head a million times in a million different ways. But one thing that can help get us out of that, that, that inward downward spiral of just considering how painful life might be is to be generous. Sometimes the only way to get us outside of ourselves is to look to others and how we might be generous. And, and you might think, well, you know, I'm, I think I am generous, but I don't have much joy in it. Well, you know, maybe something that can happen with that is maybe you become disconnected from your giving. And, and, and maybe your giving has is, is just kind of become a, a part of a system or, or automatic. You know, you, you do your giving kind of like right there with the bills along with everything else. Or maybe it's on automatic draft. Uh, and look, I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it any certain way or that you must do it at a certain time and place or whatever. I'm just saying if that's causing you to be disconnected from the, the joy of giving, then it's something to consider. So like consider this. Let's just say you give 10% to the church and, and you give uh, 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 hundreds more to uh, uh, missionaries uh, or to some other calls and you, and you find that there's little joy. But, but, but it could be that since you're in the, in the habit of this, this is just on automatic draft or it just kind of happens along with the bills, that, that you've lost a measure of, of joy with it, that you've become disconnected from that. And look, I just want to say again, if, if, if you give by automatic draft, then praise the Lord, thank you. Uh, I'm not asking anybody to, to stop doing that. That's actually how, how we give to the church and other places. But, but the point is, is that we, we don't need to become disconnected to what we're doing because there's joy in it. And we're missing out on the joy if we aren't connecting with how we're giving. So it's good to give strategically and consistently. And the church should be a priority in your giving. And, and while I don't necessarily hold the view that the, the church, uh, that you should give 10% to the church, that it belongs to the church, there's, that might be a, another talk for another time. There's continuity and discontinuity with the Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, I, I think it's certainly 10% is certainly a good starting point for your giving. And so as you consider what you're going to give, th- th- there's a sense where you should be considering what you're giving to and the joy that is in it. And that there's, it's possible for you to be gen- generous, like truly generous. Like you look on paper and, and you could be affirmed like this. This is a generous giving budget, but disconnected from the joy. And so what can happen is because maybe we've had a system where we disconnect from, from the giving that, that in some ways our imagination has been, has been cut off when it comes to giving. And what I mean by that, the, the giving is just already set and you don't really need to think about it because it, it, just, it just happens. Just as sure as everything else happens in life, the bills are paid for and the check to the church or whatever ministry or whatever calls, it just kind of goes off with, with everything else. And so it's, it would be good for us to be a bit more mindful and prayerful about it. And, and, and whatever this might, look, this might look like if you give to the church, you probably get an email to let you know that it's, it's coming out. Uh, perhaps you need to take that email, pray, and and. Praise God for the means to be able to give uh, and pray that the Lord blesses that money going out uh, and that he multiplies it. Um, uh, acknowledge that, that he is the giver of all good things. Um, pray that, that, that God would continue to give you the grace to do this and also just be reminded that you serve God and not money. And that ultimately, this is his money anyway. And so there's just a sense where we need to reconnect with our giving. And here's something else you could do. It's just an idea, but what if you took 1% of your income 
let's say you take that 1% and determine to, to give it away. Now, obviously, I think you should give much more than 1%. This is on top of what you'd already give. So, so what if you took just another 1% on top of whatever you, you give currently, and, and every month you, you're looking for something to do with that money, some way to give and to bless someone else? And so if you have that, even though it's a small amount, if you have that 1% and you're looking to give it away that month, every month, there's a sense where you're thinking about it. You're, you're praying about it. Maybe you're talking with it with your spouse. Your, your eyes and ears are open looking for ways to give. And all of a sudden, you, your, your imagination might get sparked. And you start looking and you hear of maybe there's a family going through this or a couple with this or just a way to be a blessing to someone and, and, you, and you do it just kind of as a surprise gift or maybe there's a need in the community that you can meet. And, and then when, when your imagination has been sparked and you give to meet a need that is surprising perhaps to someone, maybe that'll restore some of your joy in giving. And, and here's something that, that can help to uh, guide your imagination in this. You know, you know, rather than just kind of giving randomly, than just kind of giving money away to, to just to whatever, there, there's a sense where you, you don't want to just be irresponsible. You want to do it in a way that's, a, that's truly a blessing in, in, in meeting needs. But, but one thing that can guide you in, in how you want to give is, is how can I give in such a way that will provoke praise and thanks to God? You know, not long ago, just a few weeks ago, um, uh, I had a, a, someone reach out to me who had, who had lost their job due to the, the pandemic and everything going on, and, uh, and they were getting backed up on, on their bills, and, and they, were, they were looking for, for help. They, they contacted the church, contacted me, and so, uh, so I, this happens, these kinds of things happen from time to time, and so sent an email out to a handful of folks that, you know, just kind of as we consider this process, we don't always just kind of hand out checks to whoever. There's a bit of a process it goes through. Well, what would happen in this situation is, you know, sending out an email to a handful of folks, and, uh, and as we were kind of considering what was happening, uh, somebody involved just kind of paid the bill. It was done. And so I c- contacted the person, let them know, just like, hey, you know, as we were discussing it, somebody just picked up the, the tab. They, they just paid the bill for you. We'll let you know that. It's just taken care of. Um, well, anyway, they got back in touch with me, and, and they were just praising the Lord, thanking God for, for, for what, had, what had happened. And so there's a sense where that, that money was transformed into praise. And so as we consider how to give with joy, we should consider the idea of how can we turn money into praise and thanksgiving? Like, for example, I can turn, you know, $10 into a, into a meal, like for lunch, right? I can get a $10, $10 bill and I can turn that into to a lunch. Well, how can you take money and turn it into praise and thanksgiving to God? And that's my second point I want to talk about. Our aim in giving and giving generously and with joy and cheerfully is God's glory. So so giving along with making us happy also causes people to praise and thank God. People are in need. They pray. God hears these prayers and then through his people provides for them and they praise and thank God. So the, the other reason giving makes us happy is because we can be the bridge between a person's prayers and God's provision. And there's real joy in that. And, and, and look at chapter 8, verse 10 through 13. Chapter 8, verse 10 through 13, it says this. It says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous 
in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of you, because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Notice these phrases in the text. Verse 11, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Verse 13, they will glorify God because of you. So the, the, the aim of our giving should be to transform, transform our, our, our financial resources into praise and thanksgiving to God. So what if, what, what if I gave you $500 today? And I said, this week, transform this $500 into praise and thanksgiving to God. Like, 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 what would you do? But you need to do it through giving. How are you going to do that? What would you do? Now, your mind might be blank right now. You, you might think, well, you know, I need to think about that. I'm not sure what I would do. And that's kind of what, what, what my, as I was writing down this, this uh, message, I, I was kind of thinking, I'm not real sure what I would do. Now, what if I gave you $500 and I told you to spend it on yourself this week, this month? Well, you can probably think almost immediately where you would, you got a place for $500, right? You know what you could do with it. There's actually two or three things. You could probably use $500 about 10 times and you got a place for, for it, right? And so it just goes to show us that our imagination is more inclined towards receiving than it is to giving. And that reveals to us a measure of unbelief that we don't really believe that it's better to give than to receive because our imagination has been captured by what we might receive more than what we might give. And so if you're like me and your imagination is more fixed on yourself and what you would like to have and what you need than on giving to others to provoke them to praise and thank God, then, then we have an unbelief issue, Right? With, with, we think it's better to receive than to give. And look, we know what it looks like to invest in our home, in our kids, in our hobbies, but we're not quite as sharp when it comes to our imagination in giving in such a way as to provoke praise and thanksgiving in others. And we need to be convinced that our joy in worship are insepar inseparably linked and that giving is a two-for-one special, that when we give, we get joy and worship. And not just joy and worship for us, but joy and worship for the one who receives. And if you don't have giving intertwined with joy and worship, then you're doing it wrong. Something's off. It needs to be considered. You are giving perhaps out of guilt, under compulsion, reluctantly. Uh, maybe you're giving out of self-righteous, self-righteousness, but not out of joy in worship. You're not giving in a way that's rooted in the gospel. Like where Christ became poor so that in his poverty we might become rich, that God so loved the world that he gave, that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He gave himself away for the joy set before him. 
Because of the gospel, we really can give cheerfully. Now, one objection might be this. It, it might just be that money's tight. You know, you don't have a ton of money. And, and you might think, you know, if you were a millionaire, if you were pulling in a, a million dollars a year, you might think, I, I would be super generous. I, I would give half of it away. And like, like, like even like, like before taxes, I'd give half of it away, right? I'd be super generous. But, but the reality is, is that after paying the bills and groceries and, you know, there's not a whole lot left laying around that I can just, I don't have a whole lot of disposable income that I can just kind of throw away. And I have some things that I need to do uh, that aren't extravagant, that are just kind of basic things. They don't seem like these, these things that I, that I should withhold for myself or that I'm going crazy. It just seems like, man, I'm just, I just barely have enough to, to make ends meet month to month. Well, consider verse 8. Verse 8 says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. By God's grace, he has given you enough to abound in the grace of giving. Notice the word all in verse 8. All grace, all sufficiency, in all things, at all times, to abound in every good work. By God's grace, you have all sufficiency to do everything, every time God is calling you to do something. So God has, by his grace, given you the capacity to abound in the good works he's called you to in the grace of giving. And that is that, that this grace of giving is what you were made for and what you were saved for. I talked about this briefly last week. We, we aren't just saved for heaven. We're, we're, we're saved for, for now, for, to, to, to do good works now. You know, when people are saved, they, they aren't just transported to heaven, Right? We're, we're, here we are, and God saved us for now. We're, we're not just waiting on heaven. God has saved us to do things before we get there. So consider the, the famous verse, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Turn there if you have your phone or Bible with you. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, and it explains this, this idea. Many of you are familiar with this. It says this, For by grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God and not a result of works so that no one may boast. Praise the Lord, right? We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of our own doing. Now, verse 10. After this idea that, that we are saved by God's grace from first to last through and through, now what? Verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, so God saved you for good works now. And one of the good works he has most certainly called you to is giving. To put it another way, God saved you to give. I mean, among a million other things, right? But God saved you to give. And, and there's going to be great joy in that giving when it's, when it's done right. We are made to abound in good works and God has already designed those good works for us to do. So we should be looking for them. We should budget for them. And we will love doing them. Remember with the Macedonians in, in uh, chapter 8? And it said that God's grace was, was on them. And it was is in that ministry to give. Well, so here's the deal. 
the Macedonians were saved to bring relief to the saints in Jerusalem. And the same with the Corinthians, and among a million other things. But God has all these works that he has prepared beforehand for us to do. So, so when you think about the tension between the call to be generous and, and your limited resources, remember this. Remember verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That means you always have all you need to abound in every good work. So may God help us to excel in the grace of giving. And may it provoke praise and thanks to God. And may we find deep joy in giving. A joy so deep that it makes us laugh. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are the giver of all good things. There is nothing in this life or world that we enjoy that did not come from your kind providence. Would you make us like your son who gave himself, who endured the pain of the cross for our sake, for your glory and his joy. And Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.